You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Amen. You can be seated now. And if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. You know, there are some people who are just like prayer warriors. Like they are on point as it relates to prayer. They're like SEAL Team 6 of intercession, right? And they're just awesome at it. And we marvel at these wonderful, amazing people. Uh, for me, prayer has been a journey. And I, I, I am what you might call a prayer wimpaholic. Like there, there's just been seasons in my life where I've just been wimpy, you know, as it relates to my communication and prayer life. And, and I, I get distracted easy. And uh, I mean, you know, I'll be praying and I'll be asking God for whatever, talking to God. And, and then all of a sudden I'm like, what's for dinner tonight? And, you know, what, you know when do I got to pick up the kids? And, you know, when, when's Butch Jones going to get fired? And, you know, I saw all the things that I, I'm supposed to be doing, I'm praying. And then I get distracted and thinking about all these other things. And then I pray for Butch. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I forget to do the one thing that I'm supposed to do, which is to pray. And, and so I've, I've kind of, I've had to learn how to stay focused and, and you know, there, there have been seasons in my, in my life where I just didn't know how to pray. And uh, there have been seasons where I'll get so busy and, and, and so like driven that I won't take time to pray. And, and so, you know, prayer is just this idea that, you know, so often we, we kind of rush past the idea that, that prayer actually is talking to God and that God actually answers prayer. I mean, God answers prayer, right? Are we, with, we tracking with that today? Like, like, I believe that God rewards us as we pray and that God actually blesses us as a result of our prayer. And, and in fact, that God answers prayer. And so I don't want to rush past that. It's kind of weird to actually preach that on Sunday uh, because we should all know this at this point. But, but maybe you've forgotten that reality that, that prayer is communication with God, that he answers our prayer and, and he is calling us into that relationship and, and to abide in him in that regard. Well, maybe you can relate to a distracted prayer life. Maybe you're, you know, you don't know how to pray or maybe your prayer life is weak or maybe you get distracted too. And so you try and you doze off and fall asleep and, and uh, you've got the ADHD kind of effect of, of where your focus is when you're, when you're trying to pray. And, and so what, what I want us to think about though is like how awesome would it be if wherever we were at in our prayer life, that, that we would actually go deeper with God in prayer so that our prayer life was actually powerful. What would it look like if we had deeper, stronger prayer? And what would it look like for us to regularly see God answer the, those prayers that we are giving to him? How incredible would that be? How would it, it would change our life if we actually had this dynamic prayer life? But Reality is some of us look at prayer like it's this puzzle. And there is this prayer puzzle, so to speak, that, that we kind of don't understand it and we feel like we have to figure it out and we feel like that we just can't quite grasp it. Now, uh, I'm not a puzzle guy, but when my kids were little, they loved puzzles, right? And so when my kids are tiny, you know, they're, they're toddlers just kind of just getting mobile. They love these kind of puzzles, like these, you know, five and 10 piece puzzle sets, you know, and, and these are great, right? I mean, because a kid, you're learning what a square is and you're getting, you know, the color, it's yellow. And it's like, oh, where does this go? Yay, you did it, you know? And it's like, everybody celebrates and you're an awesome kid because you know how to do this puzzle, right? And it's so simple, and, and, and kids love it and they get, they get used to it and then they get a little bit older. 
And as they get older, you know, you upgrade to the 25, 50 piece puzzle, right? And I've got three girls. So I've had my fair share of my little pony puzzles and princess ponies. And, and uh, so, yeah, at first, like they don't know how to do it. And, and so you kind of teach them how to do it. Now, I am a do the borders of the puzzle first kind of guy. Is anybody with me? Like you got to do the borders. And if you don't, just don't even bother. So, so you do the edges and then you start to fill in the picture, right? And, 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 and then once you teach them how to do that, then they kind of grasp it and they do it. And, and before too long, they don't even need you anymore. And now, you know, my kids always used to say, time me how fast I can do it, dad. And they'd, they'd put it together and, and this is great. Now, you know, when your kids are, are toddlers and elementary age kids, these puzzles are, are wonderful and, and uh, they, they teach them a lot. But, you know, as you get older, like you, you, you get up to the one, two, three thousand, you know, puzzle uh, piece, it like, it, it like it's really, really complicated. You know, I mean, I don't know how many adults are really thriving on the 3,000 piece puzzle set today. Uh, the, the pictures are way more complicated. The pieces of the puzzle are, are so much tinier. And, and uh, we look at that and, and it's so complex and it's so like, you know, rigorous. We don't really, you know, have time for that. So we just don't even try. It's just like not fun and we just don't, you know, enjoy that. And so we don't even attempt it. Or maybe we start and then we just don't quite finish it. You know, in much the same way, I think prayer kind of looks like that. Because when we're young, prayer is easy. You know, when you're, when you're at this level, it's like uh, I, I depend upon, you know, my parents. And so I understand what depending upon them looks like. And so I can pray that, you know, God, you know, thank you for my mommy and thank you, you know, for this food, right? We, we, we grasp that. We get a little bit older and, and we're still kind of in that track. We we, we feel like we need, you know, others in our life. And so prayer is a little bit simpler. And, and uh, maybe in, in that elementary age, you know, you're, you're even dedicating your life to Christ. So yeah, they get a little bit stronger. But man, by the time you get in middle school and high school and, and uh, adulthood, it's like you're facing some, some pretty complex issues in your life. And depending upon your past and your family life and that kind of thing, like you could be dealing with some heavy stuff at a young age and definitely as an adult and and as you're dealing with all of these complex issues in life, you would think that this complexity in life would drive us to God in prayer. But what we have seen in our culture is that this drivenness and this, 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 this you know, busyness has led us just to a life of, of self-dependency and, and not God-dependency. And, and so we say things like, I'm just too busy to pray, or I didn't have time to pray, and, 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 and we just go, 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 go. And what we end up doing is we end up showing God and, 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 and really living a lifestyle of dependence upon ourselves instead of a life of depending upon God. And, and I don't think there's any more clear evidence in our life, spiritually speaking, as to who is at the center of our life other than our prayer life. Like if we are not praying, I mean, that is, I mean, that is a hard, brutal fact for us to grasp today. But if, if we don't have a consistent prayer life, just mark it down like you're depending upon your own life and your own self and not God. And so how do we solve this puzzle? How do we, how do we put the pieces together to actually grasp what prayer is and, and move into a deeper relationship with Jesus so that we see prayers answered, so we have strong prayers, so that we have a dynamic prayer life and, 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 and our prayer life is alive and active and growing and our connection with Jesus is deep and rich? Well, luckily, the Bible gives us a formula for prayer. Jesus, in our scripture today in Matthew 6, gives us this formula for prayer that, that has the potential to move your prayer life into beast mode. Like that's a good thing if you're over 50. Like a powerful 
like prayer life. And, and that's what we're after. That's what we want to experience. This is what he is offering to us. And so let's read together, beginning in verse 5. This is Jesus talking here, and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This is, this is striking. I want to break this down a little bit. Let's just make it really, really applicable here, what Jesus is teaching us. We're going to continue to read, so leave your Bibles open. But what we see here in verse 5 and verse 7 is Jesus saying, and when you pray, just assuming that you and I are going to pray. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing I would say is, as a follower of Christ, we've got to develop the habit of prayer. So this is a part of what it means to follow Christ and to seek Jesus like we have developed a habit of prayer. We are, we are daily talking to God and communicating with him in prayer. And so Jesus says, and when you pray, he's assuming that we're going to do this. And some people say, man, man, I just don't know how to do this. And I'm busy. And, and I get it. I, I get it. We are busy. I, I get it. We have to learn how to do this, right? Somebody has to teach us how to do this. This is why scripture is so important. But how many of you, by show of hands and keep your hands up, would say that you were a, a good athlete and you played a sport and you were pretty good at it. How many of you would say I was, okay, not great at it. Let's just say, how many of you played a sport? Let's say that, all right? So a lot, a lot of hands. Now keep your hands up if you had to practice that sport to get decent at it, right? Obviously, if you play a sport or you play an instrument, you've got to practice. And if you don't practice, then, then you're never going to develop those skills. You're never going to develop you know, how to become better at whatever it is you're trying to do. And the same is true as it relates to prayer. You have got to practice. It's something that you've got to do daily. You've got to practice in front of people. You've got to practice praying with your spouse. And man, I remember when I first learned how to do a left-handed layup, I looked ridiculous because I'm right-handed and jumping off of this foot in basketball, that's a shot in basketball. I don't want that to kind of, what is a layup? What is he talking about? In basketball, like that, you know, shooting a left-handed layup, jumping off the right foot, I, I, I looked ridiculous. Anybody who's right-handed that, that begins to try to learn that looks ridiculous. And so sometimes it's awkward and weird. But you push through that, and eventually it becomes, you know, something that you're good at. And, and prayer is, is the same way. Jesus says, when you pray, he's assuming that we're going to do this. He's, 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 he's telling us, I mean, it's almost like, why wouldn't you? Like, how, how, how have we come so far as a society and as a culture to where now prayer is like only for really spiritual people instead of, in, instead of this idea that, that prayer is a necessary part of every single second and day of our life. I remember teaching my kids when they were little how to pray. Um, and when my daughter, she was two or three, I can't remember, but you know, we're tucking her in at night and she's praying and she's saying, thank you God for mommy and daddy. Thank you for Nana and Papa and thank you for my sins. <laughs> I was like, well, this is a good teaching moment. We don't thank God for sins. We ask God to help us to overcome, you know, the whole deal, right? 
But we've got to learn. We've got to grow. We've got to do this. It's part of practicing and learning and growing as a follower of Christ. So I don't know how or I'm not good at is really a cop-out. Especially, you know, if you've been a Christian for, for longer than a year. Like if you're, not, if you're not praying, you know, with your spouse, if you're not praying in small group, if, you're, if that's not part of who you are and you've been a Christian for over a year, man, you're just, you're just copping out of, of what this, this whole, you know, following Jesus really should look like for you. So he says very clearly, I, I think we have to have this habit of prayer. But secondly, we want to determine a time and a place to pray. So in verse 6, he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so what I'm saying is you've got to determine a time and a place to pray. A specific time and a specific place. Jesus says, go in your room and pray. And your Father who sees what you are doing in secret, don't be like the hypocrites and get in front of people and, and, and make a big spectacle about it. Go in your room, close the door, get away from distractions, and when you Pray in your, you know, that, that environment, that place. He says God's going to reward you. So God's going to reward us and bless us as a result of our prayer life. And so that should be motivation for us to go and to do this. And, and I think one of the greatest ways to develop this habit is to determine a specific time and a specific place. Time and place, time and place is everything when it comes to this habit. Because if you say, I'm going to pray and do this when I get around to it, I mean, you're never going to do it. It's, it's always going to be, you know, the last thing you think about. And then it's, oh, I didn't have time to do that. So you've got to schedule it. You've got to put it on your calendar. You've got to say, this is my time. And I'm going to pray in my, you know, office. I'm going to pray in my bedroom, at the kitchen table. I'm going to get away from distractions as soon as I get to work and do this. I'm going to get away from distractions at lunchtime and do this. If you're, if you're kind of saying, you know, I'm going to do this the last thing I do when I go to bed at night, Chances are you're just going to fall asleep and that's going to be put off to the, to, to the wayside. And so you want to make this a priority. I, I recommend you doing this, one of the first things you do every single day. So we get a time and we get a place. And it's like practice, right? And so just like when you played a sport, there was a, a specific time and a specific place, you know, for practice. The same is true with prayer. That way, if you miss that time, you know, you missed it. Now, you know, I, I, I got to prioritize this. Thirdly, what I think we see here is that Jesus is calling us to dig deep in our prayer life. He wants us to essentially dig deep and not, you know, lift up these empty phrases, he says in verse 7. So he's calling us to dig a little bit deeper and be more sincere in our prayer life. And so we're not just going to, you know, jump right into, you know, just surface level issues and, you know, in in, in, you know, in small group, a lot of times we ask for prayer, and it's always about somebody's uncle's, nephew's, brother's, you know, Aunt Flossie's toe and hurting and gout. And it's like, what about the sincereness of what God is doing in our hearts? Like, like I would encourage you in your small groups to not pray for her yet this moment. Let's pray for her during the week. Let's pray sincerely from our heart during group. Let's pray sincerely and not empty up empty phrases when we are alone with God. He says, don't go on babbling. Don't, don't, don't just lift up empty phrases. I want you to be sincere. If you're angry with God, tell him. If you're upset, if you're frustrated, tell him. This is a part of the healing process like in our own lives. So I, I can tell you from my own experience, you know, being completely stressed out and worried about various things going on and things that, that are big in people's lives and, and uh, maybe even in mine or, or family and and like when I open up my prayer journal and, and I read scripture and, and then, you know, I begin to, you know, pour out my heart in words, 
what I'm dealing with. It's just like me physically taking the weight of the world off my shoulders and putting them in the hands of Jesus. Because by the way, the weight of the world is not on my shoulders. It's not up to me to fix all of these things and change all these people and to make everything great. God's got that, not, not me. Like God's in control of that. And so in my prayer life, as I'm doing that, that's just another way for me to recognize that. And, and, and it's so healing. And, and uh, I, I encourage us not to you know, get in the habit of empty phrases. But again, because it's something that we learn, we go to church, we go to small group, and, and we learn how to pray by listening to other people. And so in our culture, a lot of people kind of get used to saying like these same empty phrases. You know what I mean? Some of these phrases, and I'll, I'll give you a few. For instance, we like to say, God be with us today. <laughs> as if he is not with us already. You know, God be with us as we travel. He's like, I'm everywhere. What do you mean go with you? Where am I going? I'm everywhere, you know? Because we say this empty phrase all the time. We don't even think about it. I love it when people pray, and, and I guess to feel space or maybe to feel spiritual, they like to say Father God a lot. Have you heard this? Father God, we just come to you, Father God, and we just want to Father God thank you for Father God. And it's like, what is, what is that? And it's just like these empty phrases. It's like, slow down and be honest and be, be real. You don't like talk to your wife like that. My wife's name is Micah. I'm not like, hey, Michael wife, would you, you know, fix me a glass, Michael wife and Michael wife, you know. It's like, what is that? Why are we so weird when it comes to talking to God? And my, my all-time favorite one, though, is when, you know, it's before a meal, and we're like, God, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, you know. It's like, do we realize what we're asking when we say this empty phrase? As I eat this Big Mac with 7,000 calories, Jesus, I'm asking you to do a miracle. Like, change the molecular structure of this fake plastic cheese and make it, you know, nourish my body. Like, no, just eat healthy food and it's going to nourish your body. It's how God works, right? We don't, we don't pray for miracles at the Big Mac. So he says, I want you to be sincere. Pray from your heart. You know, be, be sincere when you come to God. And then verse 8, look at verse 8. I love this one. I first grasped this. It changed my life, my prayer life. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask. Think about that. He knows what you need before you ask. If this is true, that means that 99% of our prayer life is a waste of time, maybe. Because what do we do? We go to God. God, thank you for this day. Here's what I need. Bless me here, bless, bless, take, take, do, do, this, 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 this. I need you to give, I need you to go, I need you to do this. Sometimes we just go to God with this list of all of these things, you know. Here we are, a prayerless heathen. Now we're gonna get excited about Jesus. We're gonna connect with him in prayer. And so what do we do? We make this wish list. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. We just gotta pause and recognize that he already knows what you need. So you don't have to spend a lot of time there. If he already knows what I need, then maybe I don't need to spend a lot of time there. Then what am I supposed to say then? Because if you take out my wish list, I got nothing else to talk about. Well, then he gives us the model prayer. So this is the formula. So let's continue in verse 9. He says, pray then like this. It doesn't mean, you know, memorize this and recite this. It doesn't mean memorize this and say this before every game that you play so that you have a good game, <laughs> you know. Yeah, this, this is a model for us to follow. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Very powerful. 
first thing I would, would, would kind of share with this is as a model, there are some important points that we want to bring out. Again, we're not memorizing this. this. I don't think that's the intention of Jesus here that we just memorize it and say it every day. I think it's the model. And so the first part of this is, is when Jesus says, hallowed be your name. So the prayer starts with our Father, hallowed be your name. So step one in our prayer life is to start our prayers by declaring God's greatness. So we want to declare God's greatness because the word hallowed simply means holy is your name. So when I start in my prayer life, it's not, hey God, what's up? Give me this, give me that, I need this. It's, it's no, God, you are awesome. God, I'm gonna declare your greatness today. God, you are my rock, you are my foundation. God, I praise you today for who you are and what you have done in this world and in my life. We're gonna spend some time here honoring God. If you read the, the Psalms, and I mentioned this last week, I think it's an important part of our prayer life to understand and read through them and know them. Because as you read the Psalms, you see the greatness of God. You see this God who is infallible, that is creating, that is sustaining, that is forgiving, that has an unconditional love for us. And so we want to spend some time here talking to and recognizing who this God is. And listen, the the more time you spend acknowledging and recognizing the greatness of God, the smaller your problems become. And the more you realize that he's in control, and the more you understand that all of these problems that I think are this big are really only about this big compared to the greatness and glory of God. So we want to spend some time there. How long? How long should that prayer be? I don't know. Depends on where you're at in your life. Depends on your connection to the Lord. You may want to spend, you know, a lot of time there. Or it may just be a few moments. The great thing about this prayer is that it's really, really short. It's like, you don't have to, you know, to be a prayer warrior, it doesn't mean you have to learn how to pray two and three hours a day. The model prayers are really, really short. It's like four verses, four and a half verses long, and that's it. It just ends. And so he says, start by declaring God's greatness. And then secondly, in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the second step is to surrender your will. Surrender your will. So I'm acknowledging the greatness of God and then I'm gonna surrender what I want and I'm gonna pray that God's will be done. God's will is done in heaven. We're praying God's will is done here on earth. We're praying that uh, my will would be surrendered no matter what I need, what I think I need, or what I think I want. I am surrendering that to you, Lord. So before I jump into my needs and my wish list, I am confessing to him, God, whatever your will is, that's what I'm praying you do. My agenda, I lay it down. What I think I need, what I think I want, God, I'm just gonna surrender my will and I'm gonna say, God, whatever you want, I submit to you. Now, step one, everybody's on track, right? Yeah, acknowledge God's greatness. That's a good point. I need to do that. Surrender my will? Can we skip that one? What's step three, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's really where, you know, we get pushed, Because nobody wants to surrender our will because let's face it, we all believe we know what's best for our kids. We all know and we all believe what's best for us at work. I know what I need. I need a raise. Come on, that's easy. That's a no-brainer. Give me more money, right? I know what I need. I need the promotion. I need a new job. He says, no, I want you to slow down here and I want you to surrender your will to me. Last week I said that prayer is not how we get more things from God. Prayer is how we get more of God. And in this vein, in this track of surrendering our will to Jesus, this is how we get more of him. 
This is how we lay down what we want. Now listen, a lot of times we think that prayer is how do we get God on track with what we want? Or how do I get you know, God in alignment with my will here? And so God, I need you to come on. I need you to answer. I've been asking and I'm believing and I'm doing. You gotta come on and get in line with me. And, and really to get more of God, we gotta flip flop that thinking. We've gotta be like, okay, no, prayer is, is me getting in alignment with God's will. Because I want to get out of my will, I want to get in alignment with his will, because his will might be completely different than what my will is. And so that's why he says, I want you to lay it down. I want to lay down my goals, what I want. And I want to, I want to put that in, in your hands. And I want, to, I want to ask you to guide me in that. And I'm going to surrender my will to him. And listen, when you surrender your will to the Lord, this is where life change happens. This is where your life begins to change. As you are surrendering what you want, as you are surrendering your agenda and your goals to the Lord Jesus, he changes your life. Now, let let me apply it in in your marriage. I'd say one of the greatest things that my wife and I ever started to do was pray together. And, you know, we went through all the marital problems and things early on that everybody does and, and, and selfishness and all of these things and and uh, when we started to kneel down together and pray, God, as, a, as the leader, as the man, when I would say, God, I, I want to surrender my will to, to you. Wh- whatever you want me to do, God, I, I want to surrender that to you, and I want to do that. And then when I heard my wife say that same thing, and, and when she would say, God, I want to surrender my will to you, I mean, there is something powerful with a couple that prays together like that. Because now all of a sudden, we're not spending our time one-upping each other and arguing with each other and fighting for what we want. We just told the Lord, God, we're, we're surrendering what we want. And, and, and we're asking you to show us what to do. We always want to pray for our spouse to change. God, change them. Just break them. Just magically, just fire, rain down, break the chains, you know. You know, we all pray that at some point. Let's just be honest. But really, we gotta, we got to switch and we've got to say, God, how do you want me to change? And God, here's what, here's what I'm doing. No matter what you're calling me to do, I'm, I'm going to surrender my will, even if that means she never changes. I'm still going to love her. You start telling the Lord that and you start sincerely believing that and, and allowing your will to go in that direction, and your life will change. I guarantee it. John Calvin said, Thy will be done means to submit not only our wills to God, but even our feelings, so that we do not become despondent and bitter and hardened by the things that befall us. I, I love this because. When we are saying your will be done, God, it means that I'm laying down what I want, but it's also me laying down my feelings to God. God, my anger, my bitterness, my unforgiveness, all of the stress that I have, I lay those feelings down and I, I surrender those feelings to you. Why? Because if I don't surrender my feelings, then the things that befall me, the circumstances, the adversity that I face, will typically lead me to dark places. And so he says, I want to lay both down so that no matter what I face or what I go through, God, your will be done. We read this prayer and we typically don't 
like this formula because it causes us to to follow and surrender our, our will. Our prayer usually sounds like this. We usually say things like, my kingdom come, my will be done. On earth, who gives a rip about heaven? Give me this day everything I want, make school easy, make my wife love me, and make my boss just leave me alone. Forgive me for my debts, but I'm never going to forgive them for what they did to me. And lead me not into temptation, because I do a pretty good job finding it on my own. You see, we've got to change our attitude. We've got to come to the Lord and surrender our will. When we begin to do that, life change happens. Martin Luther said, I love this prayer. Take a picture of the screen and pray this prayer this week. He says, God, grant us grace to bear willingly all sorts of sickness and poverty and disgrace and suffering and adversity and to recognize that in this your divine will is crucifying our will. What a powerful prayer. This is your, your prayer life going to the next level. This is, this is much deeper than God, give me, give me, give me, bless me, bless me, bless me, you know, change this, change her, change him, do this, do that. This is us saying, God, grant me the grace to be able to willingly accept this sickness, accept this adversity as your will, and help me to know that you are crucifying my flesh as a result of whatever this adversity, sickness, or whatever it is I'm going through. I mean, that is, that is deep. And that's where I believe Jesus is calling us to live and to breathe And I'm telling you this, if you cannot honestly, sincerely pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you will never experience real happiness. You will never be content in this life. You will never understand what true joy is all about. We've got to get to this point and and we've got to understand that this is where the Lord is calling us to lay down our pride, our will. Thirdly, and finally, he's calling us to acknowledge that we are dependent upon him. So we're, we're acknowledging your dependency. In verse 11, you may circle these words, but, but these verbs are, this is where we're asking God. You know, we're, we're forgiving, you know, other people. We're asking God to forgive us. That was, that, that, that's this confession idea. And now we're asking God to, to give us our daily bread. He says in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors and lead us, this word lead, this word forgive, this word give, these are all important words, lead us not into temptation and then deliver us from the evil one. So, so these words, give, forgive, lead, deliver, th- these are kind of the formats and words that we, we are to use as we pray. And when he says, give us this day our daily bread, he's essentially saying we are, we're recognizing that we are dependent upon God for our daily necessities. Food, shelter, clothing, the resources, money that we have, our job, the ability to go to work, the ability to to wake up and to to be healthy enough to work. All of these things are the necessities that he's saying. This This is what it means to ask God to give us these things. And you might say, well, man, I've always had a house, you know, I, I've always had plenty of food. And so in, in our culture, it's not like hard to find food. And 
pretty much all of us have a house, right? And so what we tend to do is we tend to, we tend to believe that it's because of us that we have all of these things. It's my money, it's my stuff. But God calls us to ask for these daily bread issues, these necessities, because as we ask him for these things and then we receive them, we're more likely to recognize him as the giver of all good gifts. But if we are not sincerely praying this, then when we receive these things, it it causes our pride to grow because we feel like we have provided them. And so that's why he wants us to ask. That's why he wants us to seek. That's why he wants us to knock. Secondly, he he says, "I, I want you to spend some time seeking forgiveness. And so this is that time of confession in our prayer life where we're saying, God, you know, forgive me for, for these sins and these attitudes and these things. And, and then also there's a lot of unknown things that are going on in my life that I'm sinning. I don't even know because I'm so sinful. God, forgive me for those. And, and then he says, I, I want you to receive that forgiveness and just like you're gonna forgive those who hurt you. <laughs> and this is like, oh man, what? We gotta forgive other people? Jesus is tightly linking here and all throughout the New Testament, by the way, but he's, he's tightly linking our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. Like it goes, it goes hand in hand. If we have not recognized our sin and asked God to forgive us of our sin, then we'll never be able to forgive those who have hurt us in our life. Does that make sense? If you haven't understood and received the forgiveness of God in your life and truly received that, you're never gonna be able to truly forgive other people. Timothy Keller says this on the topic. He says, unresolved bitterness is a sign that we are not right with God. It also means that if we're holding a grudge, we should see the hypocrisy of seeking forgiveness from God for sins of our own. In other words, we're we're basically hypocrites if we're seeking forgiveness from God, but we're not willing to forgive those who have hurt us. And so this is a daily thing because people hurt us. People are sinful. We have wounds. We've been hurt in our past. We get hurt on a regular basis and offended by people. And so we've got to continually forgive people and seek that forgiveness for ourselves. And then he says, a prayer of protection. He says, lead us not into temptation. So this idea of temptation here is the the inner sinful desires that we have. Lead us not into that temptation to have an inner sinful desire of lust, of pride, of a bad attitude, of negativity, critical spirit. Like these are things that we are led into very quickly and easily in life. He says, lead us not in that, into that direction. This is the inner protection. And then this idea of an, an external protection. He says, literally, uh, we're asking for protection from the enemy, the evil one, Satan himself. So the physical harm that he would, he would want to do to my life. So we're, we're seeking that protection as well. And, and he says, I want you to pray for that. And, and then the prayer just ends. It's over. Four verses, very short, it's over. Start by acknowledging the greatness of God. How long should you spend there? I don't know. Just depends on where you're at. He goes into this idea of surrendering your will to him. How long do you need to spend there? Well, again, I don't know. It just depends on what you're dealing with. You may need to spend some time there. You may need to surrender it today and then realize that you really didn't and tomorrow you've got to do it and the next day and you basically you're going to spend the rest of your life figuring out what that looks like and And then he just closes and he says, acknowledge your dependency, ask for physical needs, seek forgiveness, confess, forgive others, seek protection, ask for for that protection and 
It's like, all right, you know, when we're little, we're, we're, we're in this stage over here. Prayer is kind of easy, right? God, thank you for mom and dad. Amen. It's been a good day. You get a little older, you know. God, I'm just going to lay it all down. I surrender all. As a fourth grader, God, I'm surrendering my Nerf gun collection and my Xbox. It's all yours. <laughs> it's kind of easy to do that, you know. Middle schooler. Jesus, I'll go wherever you want me to go. He's like, Psh, you don't have any plans anyway. Where are you going? You're not going anywhere. It's not hard for you. But now you're in high school, you're a college student, you're an adult. Life is pretty complex. You don't feel that connection to the Lord. Your prayer life is weak or vacant. Or Like, how do you figure out this prayer puzzle? Well, you, you first realize it's, it's not very complicated, so don't overcomplicate it. It's not that complex. It's difficult to sincerely do these things, but the model is very clear. And so you don't have to like worry about what you say or how you say it because he in fact doesn't want you to say what other people are saying. He doesn't say it's gotta be a certain length. It in fact can be really, really short. But the important things are that we follow this model and we apply it to our life. And I believe when we do, God changes our life for the better. And then we begin to see God blessing us, providing rewards in ways that we never dreamed, answering our prayer. But ultimately what we get is we get more of Jesus. And when you get more of Jesus in your life, you get more joy and contentment and happiness. The very hunger that your heart desires today. So for your homework, in your seat is a little bookmark. Everybody grab that bookmark for a second because basically this, this is a, a memorable way for you to begin your prayer life. And maybe you've, you've, many of you probably know this, but when I learned this in college, it changed my prayer life. It, was, it became so clear how I can actually begin to do this. So it's just the word ACTS and it's an acronym. And basically everything we just talked about kind of puts it in a memorable way. So the A stands for adoration. So when I, when I pray, I start with adoration. God, I just praise you for who you are and I worship you. And sometimes I'll go through the whole alphabet and just kind of think of words that describe the greatness of God and the blessings of God and the joy of God. And, and I just spend some time there adoring him and worshiping him. And then we go into the letter C of confession. And so now I'm gonna confess my sin, sins that I'm aware of, sins I'm not aware of. I've got a pretty long list of the ones I'm aware of so I can spend adequate time there. But but you know, we, we confess that to him. And then the T stands for Thanksgiving. And so in that moment, I'm gonna thank God for, his, for the work that he's doing in my life. And maybe specifically things will come to your mind and he'll just kind of, he'll, he'll, he'll kind of put some things in your mind to where you're like, oh yeah, I'm thankful for this. And I'm thankful for that. And, and we don't thank God just around Thanksgiving. Like, oh, this is a daily thing that we can do. And, and then we get into the last part, big church word here coming at you, supplication. <laughs> it's like not a word you use often, but it goes with the acronym, right? And uh, it was developed in the 80s. So, you know, we were using words like that back then. And it simply means you ask God. So th these are the requests of God. So this is where you're asking God for all the things that, that you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you're asking him to do. And so it's in this adoration confession where we are surrendering our will and we're thanking him and then we're, we're asking him and it goes in that order. And uh, I just want to encourage you to take this, maybe put it in your Bible as a bookmark and, and uh, refer to this. And, and uh, let's close today just by actually practicing this. And so if you would, let's, let's bow your heads and, and let's spend a moment with God today in prayer. And, 
and simply walk through these steps today. And before you jump into a typical routine, just start by adoring him, praising him for who he is. Just tell him. Talk to him about his greatness. I mean, read the Psalms and you will, you will find plenty of adjectives to describe and adore God for who he is. His faithfulness and love and grace and mercy. and Declare his greatness today. Let's move into a time of confession. There are sins that perhaps will come to your mind. Just confess those to him. You might even confess your lack of prayer life. Surrender your will to him in this confession. Thank him now for his mercy and his blessings and his love. Focus on those things that he has given to you. What he is doing in a world that thrives on negativity and problems. Your prayer life here thrives on the goodness and grace of God and we thank him for it. And now, offer your request to him. The ways in which you are asking God to move and to bless and what, what it is you believe and need and care about. Just offer those requests to you, to him, from you to him. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us a burden for prayer. We worship you today for your mercy and love and grace. And we thank you for the cross and we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. And we confess, Lord, that we are not where we need to be today. And there are sin uh, and many sins in our life, God, that we're dealing with. We confess that to you. We seek your forgiveness, God, and we confess that there might be people in our own life that we haven't forgiven. God, give us the grace to forgive them. And God, we are thankful. And we are asking you today, God, to, to move in this place, to change us as a church, as a people, to honor and worship you in ways that we have not, to experience you in a deeper way at home, at work, and when I get alone to be with you, change us, speak to us. We pray for the grace of God to be evident in our life. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.